Taryn and I stare at the red ponytail teen in front of us. We can stop the turn back? How? Lena pulls out a blue and gold guided book from the long trench coat she's wearing. This book tells us all about the history of the turn back, the very workings of it. According to this, while most of the town changes, five things stay the same. 24 hours before the turn back, a pedestal is revealed in each constant. There are five time orbs. Each one is infused with the magic of the town and precious materials. When the pedestals are revealed, the time orbs must be placed on the corresponding pedestals. That will stop the turn back. Okay, so all we have to do is figure out what the five constants are, find the time orbs, and place them before the turn back happens. You know, I'd say that sounds crazy, but it's not the strangest thing I've had to do in this town. I mean, that doesn't sound so bad. It's easier said than done. First things first, we need to figure out the constants. Dottie's has to be one. That was the main thing I was excited didn't change. And the Chronicle office. You said you worked there too, plus you knew your way around. Eleventh hour is one as well. It has to be for the stability of the timeline. Well... What else? Well, maybe Circle Square or oh, City Hall? No, that changes every time. But the fountain in the square doesn't. Okay, so that's four. What else could it be? The five of us stand around thinking before Taryn speaks up. What about the community garden? People plant things there every year and it always grows. I think that may be it. We have them. We all smile as Taryn and I have a mini celebration before Lena cuts us short. I wouldn't celebrate yet. We still have to find the time orbs and we don't even know what they look like. We quiet down at this realization. We have a week to find five strange objects infused with magic. A week ago, that would have been something that I heard in a strange storytelling podcast or something. But let's be honest, what kind of weirdo would come up with that and think it makes sense? We sit at the table and think about what to do next. Well, hopefully they think that. I'm sitting thinking about how strange this is. Finally, Taryn stands up and shouts, I've got it! Before leaving the room. When she returns, she holds a black glassy odd in her hand. Luna stands up to greet her. Is this one? Where in the plifful infested world did you find that? At the site of my car crash. I don't know how it got there or where it came from, but could it be what we're looking for? Lena takes a close stare at the orb in Taryn's hand and looks over its smooth and dark appearance. I think it is. We stand smiling at each other awkwardly. Can we celebrate now? Lena nods and Taryn and I start jumping up and down cheering. We know what we need now. All we need is to find them. A day later, Tara and I are sitting at a booth in Dottie's. She has a copy of the book Lena used to figure out the turn back. I'm flipping through a copy of the newspaper. In recent days, the town supply of dead fish has dropped greatly in the past few days. This may be due to Sheriff Orrin Fairbrook's promise of dead fish and rocks to all who back his non-hostile takeover. In the box office this week is the fifth remake of the classic film Pretty Girl and the Monster. This new re-edition offers nothing new to the story, but continues to take in high revenue. The new teacher at Springshard High, Mr. Drake Yu La, has been accused of being a werewolf. When we approached him about this, he denied it, but seemed very relieved that it was a werewolf that they thought him to be. 
I flip the page back and stare over at Taryn's book. I don't know how you can read that. The handwriting's like some sort of ancient language. Really? Huh. Well, maybe I'm just good at reading bad handwriting. Some of my best friends are doctors. As Taryn mentioned doctors, Dottie had arrived at our table with a tray of our coffees and cakes. She pulled an apple out of her back pocket and threw it at the window by our table. Don't say that word out loud again. You'll summon them here and I have to do the banishment ritual all over again. There's a whimper from the corner and Dottie turns pointing a finger to the professor sitting in the corner. Dr. Stranger. You're on thin ice, stranger. Anyways, how are my two favorite interns? Busy, as usual. Mm. Dottie, your cake is magical. I should hope so. Otherwise, the eye of Newt and wing of bat was for nothing. She tucks the tray under her arm and heads back to the kitchen. Is it bad that I can't tell if she's joking? Any luck? Not so far. Based on what the book says, the orbs are connected to the constant where they must be placed. Their magic is passed onto the magic aspect of that place through a conduit of some kind. Okay, so what aspect of Dottie's is magical? This stumps us. We sit quietly munching on cake and drinking mugs of coffee. I think I have it. What? Magic does exist outside of Spring Shard. No, no, just, just hear me out. Magic is in the little things, like a child's laugh or the sparkle in someone's eyes when they're talking about something they enjoy, or the perfect geometry of a spiderweb. Or how a baker is able to make a delicious cake, even though they use the same ingredients as an average cake. What if Spring Shard's magic is just that magic intensified? So the magic of Dottie's is in her cake? Or something that's connected to her cake that only manifests in the cake itself. Okay, so where do we find the time orb? We have to figure out if there's some sort of magic connected place where Dottie gets her ingredients. How are we supposed to figure out the ingredients? Have you seen how she reacts when Xavier tries to find out? Well, then she just can't know that we're trying to find out. I can't believe we're actually doing this. Tara and I are climbing up the fire escape, which is really just a wooden ladder leaning against the back wall, to the roof of Dottie's. Taryn, where did you even get this spy equipment? This is totally not a spy equipment store. Why would you even think that whoever you've been talking to was having a sale? You say stuff like that so effortlessly. (laughs) What do you mean? None of this is weird to you. The super long store names, the strange new stories, magic orms connected to flour and salt. Well, we don't know if it's connected to flour and salt, but I know what you mean. I don't know. I guess I'm just used to it. You spend a year seeing strange things, being told you're going to die if you don't leave, and a small part of you doesn't believe it. But once you survive what you were told was impossible and you see that everything has changed, you realize that it's all real. Think of it like another city or country. Completely different culture that makes no sense to you, but to the citizens it does. At this point, I've just kind of adapted. By this time, we're on the roof. Taryn goes to the skylight over the kitchen of Dottie's and cracks it open. We tie a rope to a pipe on the roof and climb down into the dark kitchen. Once in, we start searching the kitchen for the recipe. 
I pull open the pantry door and almost scream before Taryn covers my mouth with her hand. In the pantry is Dottie, fast asleep. But crazier than that, her feet rest on a high bar and she hangs upside down, almost like how bats sleep. Taryn reaches around me and quietly closes the door. Let's try not to wake her up. We continue looking around, but I can't help but think how Dottie's dress and hair stayed in their position as she hung there, almost as if she was standing right side up or gravity had no effect on them. As we look around, we hear it. <sighs> Taryn and I make eye contact and rush to hold the pantry door closed. Did you find it? I found something close enough. She pulls over two bags of flour and we replace them against the door. That'll give us enough time. We climb up, pull our rope up, and head back to the house. Once we're home, Taryn pulls out a map and a sharpie. I didn't find a recipe, but I did find a list of places where she gets her ingredients. Two of them were starred, like they were super important. Taryn uses the marker to circle two locations on the map, the flower orchards and the cocoa mines. It has to be in one of these places. Okay, so let's split up and each investigate today. I'll take the coca mines. The flower orchard is closer to the Chronicle. You can go there on your lunch break. And so I did, finding absolutely nothing but trees of white fluffy flower. I searched for hours, but all I get is a coating of white all over my clothes. Once I get back to the house, Taryn is already sitting at the table. Did you find it? You know I did. She holds up a smooth orb with a bright ruby shade. I found something else too. We turn to the hallway, entering the kitchen, and in walks a dark-haired woman. Hi, this is AJ Robinson, creator of Chronicles of Springshard and the voice of Taryn March. I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode. If you like this episode and want to know when the next one is up, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Springshard Chronicle for weekly updates and teasers. Episode 5 will be up on March 27. If you like this episode and would like to listen to it even when you don't have Wi-Fi, it is available for download. If you want to listen while looking at a picture of the super cool cover art, you can also listen on YouTube. Check our social media for more information. The awesome music you are listening to right now... is by Chaos Emerald on YouTube. Go check out her channel once this episode is done. In fact, if you're listening on YouTube, I'll even give you a link in the description below. You can also check her out on Instagram and Twitter at Emma Joyce Y. The voice of June Hardy was Carly Curtis. The voice of Dottie Queen was Olivia Hansen. The voice of Lena, the leader of the Lemonade Gang, was Kirsten Gorman. Special thanks to Jess Milton, Derek Tiger, and to you listening right now. Now let's greet our new guest.